to the iChiefs podcast series. I'm one of the co-hosts, Tom Jenkins. I'm the fire chief for the city of Rogers, Arkansas, also a past president of the International Association of Fire Chiefs. And we're joined today um, talking about firefighter, career firefighter, recruitment and retention. And, of course, I'm partnered here uh, with my buddy Sheldon Gilbert. Hey, Tom. Good to hear from you again, and it's good to be a part of this. Uh, what a great topic. I, I can't think of anything that is probably more important or relevant to all departments and, and pr really best represents the change that we've seen and we're going to see in the fire service uh, over, the next, over the next decade. So uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this, and I know you and I have some thoughts to kick this off, so I'll turn it over to you and let's, uh, let's tee this up. Well, one of the one of the unique experiences you get when you're IFC president when I came in, and, and something that I didn't realize uh, was an issue was you you get to travel and 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 converse with all the uh, all the wonderful fire chiefs out there, um, members of the IFC, and we we have a well documented history talking about the volunteer firefighter recruitment and retention problem. I'm probably more of a crisis. Um, that faces uh, this country and others um, to take care of those areas that engage volunteers to provide their fire and emergency services. What shocked me, though, was in my time visiting and in talking to other people that uh, I, I really think that we're, there's, a, there's a metamorphosis going on with career firefighter recruitment and retention, and it's just um, – it's, it's certainly – uh, evident to me that back home as a fire chief, you know, Rogers, we've probably hired um, you know, 20 or 25 people just in the last year just to keep up with attrition and that sort of thing. But um, I noticed that a lot of our problems, our struggles to get good candidates, uh, certainly to have a diverse and inclusive workforce, and also to retain candidates, that it's becoming uh, anecdotally a little bit more commonplace to see firefighters uh, turn over mid-career than it used to be. And so I'm, I'm curious um, to see what uh, uh, you know, our chiefs, our, our guests here today uh, are going to tell us about their experience. What, what have you noticed, Sheldon? Well, I, I, I agree with all of that, Chief. I, I can tell you that when I, I came in, and I'm, I'm assuming I'm probably the old guy on this call today, that, that in the late 70s and the early 80s, uh, we had the World War II veterans out the door and the Korean War veterans and the Vietnam veterans uh, pretty much in charge, and, and, and we kids came in into a 97 98% uh, white male organization, and it would have been higher, except back then uh, Portuguese descent was, uh, was considered underrepresented. So it was a very different-looking fire department and a very different culture and and as I as preparing for this I, I talked a little bit to our human capital division to kind of get a feel for what are what are the new candidates and what is the new generation looking for and when I hear terms like like flexibility and and change and, and I hear you say how people tend to leave in the middle of their career and back in the day when I got hired you were there for 30 years and and that was it and uh, they want input and influence from the beginning and they don't like picking winners and losers and they, you know they have a high degree of tolerance acceptance and inclusiveness and that's acceptance and inclusiveness which is a great thing um, and and things that matter to them are time off and, and technology and and different things than what we may have traditionally offered as a service so I'm I'm excited to hear today how how the fire service on the professional side is going to rebrand and market and, and make the fire service profession appealing to this generation and future generations. And I'm, I'm really excited about our guests and what, what they're going to bring to us today to share what they've done. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is a topic, who knows, this is one of the few conversations that's really gone on about career firefighter recruitment and retention and uh, and the problems that are out there and the solutions and that sort of thing. And we're joined today by um, two wonderful fire chiefs. We have Chad Deerdorf, who's the fire chief, pretty recent uh, appointed fire chief, right? Chad, when did you become the the York, Pennsylvania Fire Department's uh, chief? When did that happen? Uh, End of January of this year. End of January, so you're you're close to your year. So we're we're joined by Chad, who's also a very active member with our uh, IFC's EMS section, and also we have Assistant Chief John Quarter, um, Cortier rather, with the South Bend, Indiana Fire Department. So welcome uh, to you both, and thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting. Well, uh, we think you're going to have some great observations to share with our listeners, and I want to start with you, Chief Deerdorf, and, and, and I want you to talk to us maybe a little bit about what uh, the York Fire Department is all about, uh, the composition of your department, and, and then more specifically the challenges that you're seeing as they relate to you know, career firefighter recruitment and retention. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're a small urban department. Uh, we're uh, in the south-central part of Pennsylvania. We have about 60 – well, we have 65 personnel – that uh, serve roughly 48,000 people in a 5.3 square mile city. Um, we're again very urban, a uh, lot of row homes, uh, very uh, many Philadelphia stylish buildings. So we uh, we have been running into issues where we, in the past, we would obtain when we were creating a list. We're civil service, so we have to do a, a biannual list, and we would have 150, 200 applicants. And, you know, we'd get 50, 60, 70 people on an eligibility list. This last time, we're in the process of creating an eligibility list now. We had 138 applicants apply. Only between 40 and 50 of them turned in all the information that was required to test. So right off the bat, we were down, you know, to 40 people-ish, 40-ish people uh, just to take the written test. And of course, you have your percentage that uh, you know we're not that are not going to pass that. Um, same with the oral interview process and the the physical agility process. So the last two lists, and I suspect the same of this list, we're lucky to get 20, 20 people eligible for hire. And our biggest issue has been we we have increased the size of our department, which is something that was long overdue for us. Um, back up to 65 personnel. So since August of 2018, we've hired 26 people. Um, with that being said, we've had some leave to take jobs and to go back to their previous positions in other fire departments. Uh, we had one gentleman after eight years leave to take a job with the Philadelphia Fire Department. That was his dream job, and he got hired there. Um, so we're seeing that across the board. We're we're not re- we're not getting the uh, uh, adequate enough applicants, and we're not being able to retain some of those, which is very odd for us. And I agree with what Chief Chief Sheldon said: is that we, you know, when I came on in the mid '90s, this was where you were at for, you know, 30 years, and you stayed here until you collected pension, and you know that's. That was the norm. Now that isn't the norm, and, and adapting to that's been quite challenging. 
Wow, Chief, that's um, that's pretty con- that's a big contrast when you talk about 40 to 50 turning in the required paperwork and 20 ending up eligible on the list co- compared to back in the 90s, 80s, and even in the 2000s. It was very common to see people lined around the block or showing up to get a limited amount of applications or renting auditoriums to, to do testing. So uh, times have changed. And so what what are you doing and what have you done to change the way that you approach this to try to get the uh, requisite amount of, of candidates so that you can uh, hire the who you need? Um, we our our local school district, this, uh, the City of York School District, has started an, a first responder academy. Um, and this is very new, so I, I really don't have results of this yet. But we're hoping that the the intent of this is for we are very involved with it. We uh, we get in, we show them, you know, what the what the job is in their first year of the academy. After that, then they split up into their three disciplines. You can choose fire, EMS, or law enforcement, and then we're really in-depth with them um, over the next couple years with, um, you know, getting them their Pennsylvania Mod Series to the State Fire Academy, um, and basically they come out of of the high school eligible and ready to apply and test. Um, so, again... This is only a, this is only year two into it, so we don't have any results yet. We're really hoping, though, that this proves to be beneficial for us. And not only are we getting younger, educated, trained people to start, I mean, we're still going to send them through the academy and everything, but they have a background. They know what they're coming into. This isn't a, oh, but maybe this isn't a job for me type scenario. But we're also getting residents of the city, and, you know, that's huge for us. We are predominantly Hispanic uh, and African-American population in the city, and it does not show within the department. So we are predominantly white male department, and, you know, we're trying to get that inclusiveness with uh, diversity as well as up those applicant numbers and and retain people that we are hiring and get them to stay and get them to the point where, you know, they are here for 20, 25, 30 years. And Chief Deerdorf, did I understand you right that you said that uh, you've hired 25 people since August of 2018? Correct. Um, that was wow. partly due to attrition and partly due to the people that left and we increased the size of the department. Wow. Okay. Well, I was. Uh, that's that's a staggering percentage. That's a very young job there. So I, I guess I'm curious. You're still, um, you know, I, I know you're still pretty new as the fire chief, working almost on your year. But you were the deputy for four or five years before that. So you've been around, you know, the administrative, uh, you know, uh, viewpoint of of York Fire for a long time. You know, what would you say, knowing what you know now and having, you know, having some of the experience about. You know the career firefighter recruitment and retention piece, and having had to work through some of these problems. What would you say your lessons learned are now? I mean, if you had to boil it down to just a few uh, talking points that uh, that you know other fire chiefs might um, be able to take use of, what would you say your lessons learned are? I think our biggest one is is we have to adapt to the generations, not the generations adapt to the fire service. You know, we had the same contractual language in place for years and. As you guys said on the beginning of this, we those guys are not looking at uh, the new hires, the the Gen X and the Gen uh, Gen Zs are not looking at long-term pensions. They're looking at here and now. So we have to adapt 
as the department to that. What can we offer them now that's going to make them stay to get to that, you know, wow, well, yeah, we're at our pension now. So, you know, how do we do that contractually is, is tough because you're, we're still about 50-50 on the generational gaps here on guys that came on the job. They're looking for that 30-year mark where now that's not the case. So it's been interesting um, with negotiations with the union on, you know, where where we should be and how do we how do we get there without basically hurting either side of that of, of that pendulum. So it, it it it's challenging, but that is. The biggest lesson we've learned is what do we do that attract them, the younger generations, and keep the older generations uh, engaged and wanting to stay as well. Chief, that's a that's a great segue where I was where I wanted to head and, and ask you a, a question, um, and that is relation to this current and future generations. We have Gen X, Gen Z, Millennials. We have lots of terms and lots of attributes, and they bring a great skill set and a wonderful amount of. Um, uh, attributes that really benefit the fire service as a whole, but but it is a change from our from our traditional candidates in some ways. And so, based on what you've done, and I'm sure you've done your share of research and looking around the industry, what do you see as the best practices for recruitment and retention as it relates to the current and, and future generations? And, and and what do you see happening, or where should we be moving to to make us a viable option for these? Uh, young men and women as they as they move forward. Well, I think one is is we need to adapt and portray the technology that's out there for the fire service. As and I apologize, I don't remember uh, which one of you two said about the the technology. These two in particular generational groups are very much into technology, and we have the technology in the fire service. So getting that to an even keel across the board, because you don't want to push the the older generations away by making it too much technology, but getting and showing technology to the younger generations, I think, has been helpful. Um, talking to other departments around the state, you know, they've they've had success with the technology, the items, um, and that engages them. You know, it also brings that tight-knit brotherhood together because your younger generations are now teaching your older generations the technology side of fire service where the older generations are teaching the younger generation the application and the operational side of the fire service. So I think that's been very helpful for us. Great, Chad. I I, uh, I enjoyed your observations. I think that uh, those will resonate with a lot of people that listen to this. And so uh, thanks for sharing that. And good luck as you continue to, you know, hack away at the problem and, and adapt and overcome. But I, I like the theme there, right, that the fire department has to change a little bit. Um, so I think that uh, that makes sense. Uh, Chief Cortier, um, so I, I want to visit with you for a little bit. Um, you know, South Bend, Indiana, what a one, that's an awesome place. What, tell us a little bit about your organization, just the composition and size so that our listeners uh, kind of know, uh, you know, your frame of reference. And, and then I'd be curious, has your experience with career firefighter recruitment and retention been different than Chief Deardorff? Um, sure. Well, South Bend is in the northern part of Indiana, right on the uh, Indiana-Michigan state line. Um, we're very well known for its little university here, uh, Notre Dame. But after last week's game against Michigan, um, no one's talking about Notre Dame right now. Anyway, uh, South Bend has a population of about 102,000. Uh, South Bend's made up of approximately 54% white, African-American 26%, and Latino 15%. And eight years ago, uh, one of the things our mayor really wanted to do was uh, 
be a diverse public safety entity uh, across the board with police and fire. And he kind of challenged our chiefs uh, to try and do this. Uh, and currently, our department, we are only 6% African-American and 3% Latino. Uh, despite our efforts, uh, we just uh, have not been able to uh, move those numbers up in any way. A great perspective and that you kind of laid out the stats because I know it's a goal of, of many, uh, if not all, of our departments to represent, accurately reflect and represent the communities we serve um, so that we can be most effective in, in providing services to that. Um, what what if what have you done as it relates to uh, meeting that need and reaching that, that targeted audience, and, and what do you see as the best practices to, to make that happen, uh, both in South Bend and, and, and beyond? And, and then I, I also did a little bit of research and found the South Bend Community School Corporation and your Fire and Rescue One uh, program. Can you speak a little bit about that and, and what, what that's about and how is that helping? Right. Some of the things that we did. Now, first, I, I didn't mention our department is made up of 258 firefighters. We've got 11 fire stations, uh, and we service also, besides South Bend, uh, U University of Notre Dame. They do have their own fire department, but we are their uh, number two in. Um, what we've done is initially we, we formed a, a major recruitment committee. We went and we got the, the young millennials and Gen Xers, and we really strive to have them join our committee. And, and so that's been uh, one very positive thing that we've been able to do is go out into the community with this. You know, before it was usually just your public ed guy or your PIO making appearances, but now uh, that we've got a, a fairly large committee and we go out to anything and everything that we can throughout the city and throughout the state, and we've all also gone up into Michigan and, and done some recruiting. Um, as far as the high school program, the, it's the CTE program. It's a career and technical education program. Uh, we offer this to the South Bend Community School Corporation, and there's uh, it's the juniors and seniors. When the juniors come in, they go through uh, basically the Firefighter One portion, and they get certified by the state. And uh, in their senior year, they come and they get EMT. They get that certification by the state, and then they also get their Firefighter 2 certification by the state. Besides that, they get their hazmat awareness and operations. And um, through that, what, what we've been able to do, it's in conjunction with Ivy Tech Community College here. Uh, once the kids graduate, they uh, get 22 college credits right off the bat. They don't have to pay for it. It's free. Um, so working with the Southland Community School Corporation and Ivy Tech, it forms that. And our whole idea, the basis behind this, uh, Chief Cox, who just left us and is now the Indiana State Fire Marshal, uh, the one thing he wanted to do was try and get younger kids interested in the fire department. What he did was he dropped our hiring age limit down to 18. We're probably one of the only large city departments in Indiana with a hiring age of 18. And uh, his hope was that some of these kids who have absolutely no idea what they want to do out of high school, well, they can transition from high school, from this CTE program, into the department. And we've already seen, uh, we have, uh, I believe, on this next hiring list, we have three people who have gone through the program who are on our hiring list. That That is super, Chief. So let me ask you this, a little follow-up. How effective has this program been? in reaching and getting participation from those, those those targeted segments of your underrepresented classes within your department, whether that be the Hispanic, African-American, or other. Um, what what uh, 
have they been participating in this? Do they feel they have access to this? Have you been able to find a connection point and a nexus between getting them from the neighborhood into this program? Uh, yes, they have. The, the biggest dis disappointment that we've seen with the program is we aren't getting a lot of uh, student students joining the program. Currently, in our junior program, we have uh, five students, and in our uh, senior program, we have uh, six in that program. And, and our hope was to get 15, 20, 30 people involved. Initially, when we started this the first year of it, uh, we had full classes, but then I think the kids realized that this just wasn't fun and games. You know, they thought initially that this was a great way to get out of school for three hours, gain three easy uh, credits, and be done with it. And then they realize that it's not that easy. And so it, it started to drop off a little bit. Uh, the students we have in there are, are great. They love it. They want to become uh, either firefighters or EMTs. Uh, but the, we just don't see right now a lot of people wanting to uh, join our classes, despite the fact we go out uh, every year to the schools and, and try and really reinforce our program. Well, that's um you know that's not all that different, I guess, than uh, the experience that uh, that I remember hearing, uh, especially my year as president. That there's just some level of engagement that's difficult with the people that we're trying to recruit these days. So I guess I'd I'd turn that back to you, uh, Chief, and and say, you know, what, what do you think needs to change in the future? You all have been innovative. You've clearly, you know, you've got a committee together. It sounds like you have very robust participation in the committee. You're out there uh, in the school systems. You have lowered your hiring age, which is something that, um, you know, that could be a whole other topic, whole other podcast. But I think <laughs> the age of 18 is becoming more. That's I hear that more and more. People drop an age. I know we did it in my own department. What, what do you think is next on the horizon? If you had a crystal ball, you know, what do we need to be doing? What's left undone there to, you know, move the needle on this topic? Uh, that's that's really that's that's a subject that we're just hitting our heads against the wall trying to figure out because uh, we thought by lowering this age, by having this uh, recruitment committee, by uh, doing the high school program, uh, we would you know have an overabundance of people. Right now, um, we're the same kind of, as Chief Deardoff mentioned. Uh, I've got currently 400 uh, applications on file right now, and uh, the last hiring process we do our process every two years. Last process, we had uh, over 400, and we ended up with a hiring list of only 60, which is we've never, ever been that low. Usually our list is around 150 to 200. Uh, la uh, our current list is only at 60, um, and we just can't, I don't know, people just are not showing up to take the tests, and if they show up, uh, if they pass the test, uh, we do the CPAT, the Candidate Physical Ability Test, um, they just aren't prepared for that, and it's just, we're trying as much new things as we can to get this generation to come out and understand, you know, in my day, and, and I'm in, in the older generation, you know, it was emergency, the show emergency got everybody excited everybody wanted to become a paramedic everybody wanted to join a fire department you know now you have uh, Chicago fire but then it goes right into Chicago PD and Chicago med and so you know the kids aren't uh, that interested in, in those things where my generation we saw it on TV that's what we wanted to do 
Well, I think both of you have offered uh, great perspectives, and uh, we're at a point that we try to keep our podcast at a certain time limit. But I do want – this is an important enough topic, and while I know that it's somewhat common and if not tradition in the fire service to always complain about the generation you're hiring, I think we're, we're talking about something totally different, that while the generations are different, they offer a lot of good, but there is some issue with the quantity – um, of candidates that we're getting um, on on various lists. I remember talking to one metro chief, a very you know, well-established metropolitan department, um, that that typically saw thousands of candidates, and now is seeing hundreds. So I think that uh, we're all talking about the same thing and trying to figure out what the what the solution is. And I think that we there probably is no magic bullet. So I would say, uh, Chief Deardorff and Chief Courtier, um, in a few words uh, for our listeners, if if you had to offer some quick advice, some takeaways um, on on this topic of career firefighter recruitment and retention, uh, what would it be? And, and Chad, I'll start with you, and and then we'll transition to to you, Chief Courtier. My biggest thing is don't dismiss them. Don't dismiss these younger generations. They do have a lot to offer. We just need to adapt uh, on how we operate a little bit differently um, as far as being able to retain them. Um, there's, like I said, they have they're very technology driven and and they do they have a lot to offer and the ones we have we're very fortunate with. So just don't be the don't be that old chief and just dismiss them. Um, just work with them. I agree hundred uh, percent with that. Is you know try and get them our our thing that we would like to see is is really pushing we don't lose local people we lose transients people who come in from outside and and we just need to keep pushing locally to get people involved and interested in the department well chiefs thank you very much for being with us today joining sheldon and i we enjoy um we, i think i can speak for both of us so we, we enjoy having these conversations and learning about uh, what other departments are facing, and and you know it's almost uh, it's almost always the same clowns in a different circus, right? That we we have a lot of commonality between us. So thank you for being part of the I Chief podcast series, talking about this important topic uh, with us today. So thanks for uh, letting us borrow some of your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining uh, Sheldon and I as we talked about career firefighter recruitment and retention. We've got a lot of topics coming up in our podcast series that I think will be important to our listeners, including uh, very soon we'll be talking about uh, President uh, Fire Chief Gary Ludwig of the Champaign, Illinois Fire Department, who's our current uh, 2019-2020 IAFC president. He's kicked off some important presidential initiatives, and in the coming months we'll be having a podcast to talk about those, to focus on uh, firefighter health at the station um, and hopefully make a difference for our, uh, our, our valuable human resources out there. But thank you for visiting with us today and joining us and listening to uh, the iChiefs podcast series. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.